1: watch Action Sports Jacks on CBS 47
0: and Fox
1: 30. Now Action Sports
0: Jacks is on your radio.
1: Broadcasting live from the
0: ESPN 690 and a jar in Levine Studios. Here's your host, Brent Martineau.
1: We made it to a Thursday here on Radio Row in Atlanta, Georgia, Super Bowl 53. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Marcel Robinson and Stuart Weber still with us. They will join us. And Justin Cousard, back in Jacksonville, feeling oh so lonely in the room by himself. Kuz is pushing all the buttons. Uh, We've got a big show lined up again. Hey, it's uh, hopping here in Atlanta. Uh, It is really hopping. We've seen just about everybody. All the stars are out, Austin Lane.
2: The pace has definitely picked up uh, today. Yesterday you saw a little bit of it, but today, I mean... You name the celebrities, uh, we've seen them, you know, Charlotte Flair. Uh, We actually have a surprise guest coming on hopefully in the next couple minutes who everybody should know. So uh, it's been an exciting day kind of seeing everybody in passing and, you know, seeing some old teammates as well.
1: Yeah, Charlotte Flair is not coming on. You saw her outside. Well, I was
2: was on my scooter, man, and I would have loved to stop by and say what's up, but unfortunately when I'm scooting, man, I'm focused, and I'm just trying to, you know, crush some pavement. So unfortunately Charlotte Flair is going to have to wait for another time. Yeah, and uh, we saw Herschel Walker. Yeah, it's right. On he show, said yeah. hello to him. Talking well, mean, about
1: the uh, football and MMA guy.
2: Yeah, he's he's really the kind of the first guy to do that. You yeah. know, he's, he's he's definitely the pioneer. I'm um, going to be honest with you, Brent. Still looks like he, he he could probably fight today.
1: It's unbelievable. Dude's in
2: crazy shape. Uh, Ridiculous. You know,
1: we're trying to get him on, or maybe we'll have him on at some point. Uh, but obviously, he's <laughs> I'm sure he's a guy. In, I'm think? sure he's in pretty high demand. Yeah, he's in high demand, but uh, we the request is in on a lot of people too. And just to set the scene, I guess we always assume, and I shouldn't assume everybody's seen Radio Row, and and so you kind of know what it looks like. And it's really just this collage of stars from all worlds. Mm -hmm. You know, here in Atlanta, big music hotbed, right? So Mm -hmm. you got a lot of musicians. Uh, You have sometimes actors and actresses that come by. In the past, we've seen Alyssa Milano, uh, you name it. Um, Then you have your sports stars, Mm -hmm. right? And not only your current sports stars, but your legends, whether it's Pro Football Hall of Famers, or just names that you know from the last uh, few decades. So the Herschel Walkers, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster's here. So that's the yesterday and today. And uh, I've seen Dan Marino a couple times here today. So it, it's that's kind of the way it is. But all these networks and all these different stations and radio stations, TV stations, now digital platforms are all here in this World Congress Center. Uh, and it's a massive place. And, and they've done a nice job spreading it all out. But everybody's putting in requests. Everybody's chasing these guys out, and they all have handlers, uh, which you'll have someday, Austin Lane. You'll have a handler. Of course. And you basically have to just try to talk that handler into uh, giving you a few minutes. Yeah.
2: Uh, So thankfully, uh, the the guest coming up here, I actually had a connection with him, so I kind of spoke with him directly um, and got something set up here. And then, you know, we talked to his handler and uh, squared everything away. So. It does help, you know, having played in the league a little bit. um, You you know a lot of people, obviously, and you meet people in passing. So uh, it's definitely an advantage for sure. But at the same time, I mean, there's some people where – you know, they're on, a, they're, on a, they're on a different level basically Bren and you have to go
1: through the handler well and some of the things and it's a little different now like you know I approach this from a TV perspective in these last few years only mm-hmm. and you know you go grab whatever you can get you need 30 seconds here or there or 20 seconds here or there and you put a story together on these guys not a lot of long form interviews like we do on radio Row, and so what you start doing now is we know we're going to be at Super Bowls for years to come, and it's good making connections and say, okay, we can't get you this year, let's get on the get on your schedule for next year when you come here again, and that's kind of how it works. I mean, from, I and mean, we're looking at Evander Holyfield right now, stopping yeah. at every single place. By the way, deal. I think he has steak as well. Oh really? Uh, and Dante Wilder, well, I'm, I'm starving. The, the, the heavyweight champ Dante Wilder is uh, scheduled to join us in just a couple of moments, and that's what you always have to do when you go to Radio Row, and, and when I and when we have a show and say scheduled. Yes. Because you never know you if they're actually know. going to get over here uh, to your table. But we're pretty confident that Deontay Wilder will be here in uh, just a few minutes. Earlier today, I got a chance to actually went and found this guy. He wasn't here on Radio Rope. But I had a chance to speak to Kyle Rudolph, the Minnesota Vikings tight end. Uh, just a short interview, but obviously my point in doing that was trying to find a little bit more about John Filippo, mm-hmm. And he was with the Vikings last year with Kyle Rudolph. as a sensational tight end. And uh, a little bit later on in the program, you hear my interview with uh, Kyle Rudolph and his thoughts on John Di Filippo, uh, but we have so many interviews from the last couple of days and today uh, to get to here on the show, including what this one's interesting. The guy that directed Dion Sanders Dion's double play, uh, the thirty for thirty that will debut tonight can't wait uh and interesting backstory on Dion sanders how that came together he also was the director for the two bills bill mm-hmm. belichick and bill parcells so if you like the 30 for 30s i think you'll find this conversation pretty interesting a little bit later on in the show so uh you went over to the nfl experience that's attached to this building not just radio row but if you're a fan you, you try to come here you see all the celebs but you also go to the nfl experience and just act like you're seven years old again how Basically, was
2: it Basically, uh, well I don't want to give everything away, Brent. But the fact of the matter is, and we have footage to prove this, my draft stock at quarterback just skyrocketed. Oh, uh, Todd McShay, Mel Kiper, um, gonna, they're going to have my name in their mouth <laughs> a lot coming up here. So uh, I apologize if uh, you know if I can't come to the show a lot now, Brent, because. I put my name on the map at quarterback. Yeah, you better go uh, get to work then. Uh, throw it around a little bit. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the way I was throwing it, Brent,
1: I think I'm all good. I'm, I'm ready to get that phone call on day one and just go play right away. So you're balling, and my guess would you've been falling. So uh, you're balling instead. Congratulations. What else did you do over there? You threw the football? Uh, we, you, you run the 40?
2: Uh, no, but we did kick a field goal. Well, I tried to kick a field goal. Um, I, I put it back at 30 yards for, you know, Cody. Cody Parkey, I try to, uh, I try to, you know, have a little redemption for uh, on his behalf. Unfortunately, it didn't go my way. The first one was close. Second one, I am not going to lie, Brent, almost tore my ACL. And uh, <laughs> kicking in Van slip-ons probably isn't ideal. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and and the and the turf conditions just weren't up to par.
1: Yeah, you've got a uh, fight coming up. You might not want to do that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it would be one thing if I turn my ACL and tell my coach what I did. I mean, yeah, I was kicking field goals, coach. Sorry about that. Will I? Uh, Get him next time.
1: Well, yesterday, I'll tell you what, where Austin impressed us, we went over to the uh, they have like the Bridgestone performance uh, place for golf, that's and him. you could putt, and he yep. made the putt. Made the putt. And that's why well, you get lucky making a putt. Yeah. That's not a big deal. But he also hit the driver, or it was an iron, but he, you know they were testing for which ball would fit your swing. And I'm not going to lie, I had zero expectation for Austin Lane. I don't golf. With yeah. a golf club? Yeah. Pretty good, man. Be honest, Brent. Be I honest. That's an
2: athlete. Be honest. Pretty good, right? I mean,
1: can't. Can't beat me in darts, but Easy. he's an athlete. I am an athlete.
2: I'm an athlete. Yeah, you know, I kind of have that gift where I can see someone doing something. And I can kind of, you know, copy that to the best of my abilities. Uh, yeah, I think the guy working the Bridgestone Golf Center there said it was one of the best shots you've seen all day. And uh, <laughs> what made it even more sweeter was the fact that Stuart Weber also uh, tried the Bridgestone uh, Golf Challenge thing. And uh, needless to say, as a guy who golfs a lot, Kind of disappointing to see. At this point, just like the darts.
1: I th- I think the nerves got to them a little bit. Yeah, I think they did. Uh, so uh, we're having some fun here at Radio Row and the NFL Experience. It's Super Bowl 53, and we've got a lot of conversations on the way. Uh, of course, talking about the game, but talking to some of the celebs and the stars in the sports world. And that will continue right after this on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Live from Radio Row, Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta, Georgia. Back to Action Sports Jacks with Brent Martineau on ESPN 690 and ESPN
3: 690.com. I see an explosive
4: team with a lot of explosive players at every position. They can do a lot, man. And their running backs are versatile. I mean, the receivers can do a bunch, you know, so they're going to have their place, you know. So we just have to limit them, contain, you know, bring it down to a minimum, you know, but
1: they're going to have them. It's, uh, I can't sit here and tell you I'm not going to have any, a couple you know, big plays because you know, they're good. Patrick Chong talking about the L.A. Rams and that game coming closer and closer to kickoff. 6.30 on Sunday night, CBS 47, the place to be in front of your TV, in your living room, on your couch. Have a little Super Bowl party and, and flip on CBS 47 really all weekend long because there will be tons and tons of Super Bowl coverage uh, both from us and from, of course, the national guys as we get closer and closer to kickoff. Rams, Patriots, Super Bowl 53. Brent Martin Martin, no, Austin Lane, back on Radio Row, Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. And we are going to break down this game. We already have broken down this game. I want to get your thoughts on how, again, you've said it a couple of times, but now after digesting it, listening to these guys talk, talking to them Monday night at opening night, how do you think Bill Belichick is going to craft this game plan against a sometimes elaborate Rams offense?
2: You know, i talked about it all week. Uh, there's two possibilities. Well, there's actually three possibilities. The first one would be, you know, playing that 4-3 base defense. Uh, the problem with that is the fact that it leaves them su- susceptible, you know, to passes, and obviously, I mean, the Rams can pass the ball and get it twisted. They have Todd Gurley, C.J. Anderson, but they also have some very capable receivers, especially with speed. The other option would be doing the nickel, Um and in that case, obviously, when you do the nickel, you're giving up a little bit in the in the run game, you know. And with having Todd Gurley, C.J. Anderson in the run game, uh, the last thing you want to do is get the ball ran down your throat. And um, that can change the whole momentum of the game. So what I think I see happening here is the fact that they're going to do like a base 4-3 hybrid where they might switch out a linebacker or a safety here or two. Um, But I think the most important part with that defense is try to keep the Rams guessing. Another thing, too, to keep in mind also is that the Rams, the reason why they're so different is the fact that they run trips a lot. So that means that they have three wide receivers as opposed to some teams who use tight ends to block, you know, for the running game. Uh, the Rams rely a lot more on the receivers um, in bunch formation, so basically they're a lot closer to the quarterback or to the offensive line than a than a usual receiver set will be. So another thing that the Patriots can do as well is jam those receivers, especially in the passing game, because if you jam the receiver, that's going to throw off the, the timing completely. And being you know the Los Angeles Rams, where timing and um, is everything, you know it's 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 like a well-oiled machine. If you throw off that timing.
1: Uh, and you have a young quarterback in Jared Goff, it could cause some problems. Well, just like, again, and I love that point because I think we're talking a lot about the press coverage from the Patriots potentially against those bunch formations against the Rams. And what we leave out in this, where does Todd Gurley fit into the game plan? Because we don't know about his health. Everybody says he's going to be healthy. Sean McVay said for a month now he's going to be healthy, and he really hasn't been utilized as much as most people thought he would. But again, the press coverage is really fascinating on both sides. Mm-hmm. It, you almost it does feel like both teams have to take their chance, even if they don't love the matchups. And you you hate to give up big plays in big games. You hate it, and that's why fans and, and analysts want to see press coverage. But coaches are like, yeah, but you're forgetting about the big play, exactly. and we don't want to give up the big play. We don't want to go two minutes into this game and give up a 64-yard touchdown pass because someone slipped or missed on the press.
2: And especially with, like, with guys like Brandon Cooks, you know, I mean, who's who's got speed for days. I mean, that's the that's the last guy that, you know, you're going to try to press on, miss, and then get Burton deep. So um, I think, you know, pressing is obviously a lot more of a risk for, for the Patriots than it is for the Rams. I don't think the Patriots really have that burner guy that can beat you outside. Uh, so it's interesting to see what the what the Patriots are going to do for sure.
1: All right, I think Deontay Wilder, by the way, is making his way.
2: Oh man, He's a, he has quite the entourage coming here. Very polarizing figure. Why is he so polarizing? I mean, a, a few things. Obviously, the, the way he fights, uh, unorthodox, right? Well, c- coming from a guy, you know, coming from a guy before him was like Klitschko, where it was just jab and grab, jab and grab, jab and grab, and enters this uber athlete. This athletic freak that can knock you out with any shot. So it's a combination of that. It's a combination of his personality. Uh, he's big in the fashion community as well. Uh, honestly, the, the, the dude is the, the complete package. And there's kind of a controversy between, you know, who's the real heavyweight, either him or Anthony Joshua. I'm taking Wilder all day because Wilder's not going to back down from the from the scary fights like Joshua is. And uh, when, he, when he gets over here, we're going to talk about that as well.
1: Yeah, and I think he's probably wearing about a half a million dollars worth of jewelry.
2: Yeah, that's, that looks pretty pricey. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I might ask him about that. Boxing money's hey, big money. Hey, now. do what you got to do, man. <laughs> all right, he's coming right yeah, now. he's coming to sit down right now uh, here on ESPN 690. No problem, no problem. I want to welcome in Deontay Wilder with Brent Martineau and uh, Austin Lane. On, Thanks, man. Appreciate you, you joining here. us. Uh, hop into this microphone right here. I know I don't have to tell you what to do. You know how to handle that thing. Hey, uh, okay, what's harder, Radio Row on a Thursday or uh, prepping for your next heavyweight fight? Man, Radio Row, man, it's... <laughs> it's always exhausting.
3: And I'm always having the water bottle to my mouth, so, you know. But, you know, it's always exciting to be here. You know, you, you see old faces, you and uh, you get to come back and, and – in, you know, come back and hold a conversation with the old people you saw, and you meet new faces as well too, and you build new relationships. And this is a great thing about it. When I was coming into the facility today, because I'm an energy person, you know, I go out for, you know, I go out for the energy. When I meet people, when I go places, making decisions, you know, you know, and everything. So when I walked up and I said, man, the energy up in this place is amazing, and you know, I'm still feeling good, and I'm meeting a lot of people, man. I'm meeting a lot of positive energy people and
1: it's making my day go by great. That's my awesome. A- you you bring a lot of energy, and you can tell, and obviously in the ring and outside the ring. But I want to ask you real quick. Evander Holyfield was just over here. Mm. What's it, What's that like? What's the relationships like between the greats, the guys that have won it, that have held the belt, that, that, that have done it before, and what's the reverence for a guy? like a Vander Holyfield, from your perspective.
3: Yeah, man, Evander Holyfield is an amazing guy. You know what I mean? He's one of those guys that will support you, and when he supports you and he say things about you, he don't change up. He keeps, he keeps it how it is is. Evander Holyfield, you know, I, I met him way back in 2007, 7 or 8. We had a duel uh, against the Dominican Republic, and he was telling reporters, he said, I don't know what, because I ended up knocking the guy out. <laughs> uh whatever you know. what I'm saying, what else and steel <laughs> to this day, yeah. you know. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but um, he said he told he told the people he said I don't know what this young man is gonna do in the Olympics, mm-hmm. but this is he's definitely the next heavyweight champion of the world. Wow. And he's been he's been saying he's been with me ever since. And then he's an Alabama boy, you know. what I'm saying, yeah. As long as with with me, so you know, you know. With that being said, he's a great guy, man, and uh. He's great for the for the sport of boxing and as a mentor as well, too, outside so, of the ring.
2: So Brent was trying to do a little research on you, and he's like, so is he the WBC champion? I'm like, Brent, pump the brakes a little bit, man. He's the heavyweight champion of the world, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, you always hear the term, and I hate to hear it because, you know, I do MMA as well. So I, I hear the term with you, brawler. And, it, yeah. and and I can't stand that term because if you look at your history, man, you, you fought Ortiz. I don't know if he's 40 years old, 50 years old. It doesn't matter. Dude's a gamer, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. And you fought him, and, and let's be yeah. honest, you, you kind of got clipped a little bit. You took it, mm-hmm. and you ended up knocking him out. Yeah. Well, yeah. then we go to Tyson Fury, man, a guy that nobody wanted to box. He has the crazy head movement. He's unorthodox, right? Mm-hmm. And you go championship rounds with him, knock him down in the final round. Right. So what are your thoughts of the term brawler? I, can, I consider you a fighter, man, because you right, showed right. heart in that last fight.
3: I'm definitely a fighter, you know. Um, when people use the term, with, with the immature, immature term of brawling, that just lets you know, that they don't know what they're talking about exactly and then because if they knew better they'll do better yeah and then you know with that being said you know you, you know you gotta take it as a grain of salt you mm-hmm. know when I do that people say so many crazy things or whatever you know my thing is what, what really gets under my skin when they call um uh, you know guys Uh, bombs you know what I'm saying well you get in there and fight that bomb then if he's a bomb this man risking his life for your (laughs) entertainment yeah you you have the audacity to call him a bomb when you wouldn't even get dressed out and walk into the ring you know what I mean yeah you know so you know a lot of things people say things but they don't understand or, or they don't have the courage to, to, to get in there and do what we do, you know what I mean? It takes a lot of pride. It takes a lot of respect, you know. It, it, it takes a lot of sacrifice to get in there each and every time, you know. So But, you know, it don't really bothers me, you know what I'm saying. And uh, I'm just happy to be able to, to perform and do it on the elite level yeah. and be able to take care of my children, man.
2: Talk about this resurgence of the heavyweight division. I uh, I truly believe that you kind of spearheaded the whole thing. Because, I mean, you know, back in the day, it was, it was the Quichco brothers, man. Jab and grab, jab and grab, boring style of fights. All of a sudden, we got this uber-athlete coming through, man, knocking everybody out. What was just, you know, the transition from going, you know, fighting the Olympics and whatnot and just making yourself a professional boxer and now being the champ?
3: Right. You know, when, when I came in... How I came in is was because of my, my, my oldest daughter. She was born with Spina Bifida. Because I was, you know, coming from Alabama, you know, we grew up on football, basketball, yeah. and stuff. So that was my goals and dreams as well, too. But, you know, sometimes when you have a, a, a plan for you, God will have other plans for you. And uh, when my daughter was born with Spina Bifida, I had to get rid of all the sports. I, I, I dropped out of college, you know, for her because we needed the money. And, and I picked up the gloves, you know, not knowing where it would take me. But like I tell people all the time, I speak it, believe it, receive it. I spoke what I wanted to do. I believed that I was going to get there, and I allowed my results to be the, be, uh, you know, allow my results be the receiving part of it. You know, yeah. um, everyone has greatness. Everyone has greatness in them. Everyone in this room has greatness in them. Because greatness is only determined by service. Yeah. So what you were put in what did you put in, what you put into your life, what you put into your time, your occupation, you can be great at whatever you do. And that, you know, that's that's where I am now. Yeah, I believed in myself way back when everybody was like, Oh, he's from Alabama, he you know, because you don't you don't you're not used to hearing people from Alabama and being in boxing. Yeah. Because we didn't have a commission at the time. Van Holyfield from from Alabama, Joe Lewis from Alabama, Ernie Shavers from Alabama, you yeah. know what I mean? But, you know, those guys started their career as well because they had to. And it's just amazing feeling to be able to be where I'm from with little to none resource and to and to be on a major platform right now affecting lives and, and bringing excitement to, 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 uh, um, to the heavyweight division.
2: So your, your last fight with Fury, obviously, was a draw. Mm. Um, some people say you won, some people say you didn't. In mm. my opinion, if you knock somebody down twice, they're not going to win the fight. You know oh, what I'm man. saying? So it was a draw. What's going to happen next? We're going to get Fury Wilder 2, and what is it going to be and when?
3: Fury Wilder 2, uh, or should I say Wilder Fury 2? Yeah, there we you go. Know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that never matters to nah, me. I, you <laughs> know what I mean? Some people, My you bad. know, it do. <laughs> but uh, it definitely is going to happen. That's 100% guaranteed mm-hmm. it's going to happen. You know, only reason it wouldn't happen if they somehow buzzed out of the the, the, uh, the agreement or something like that. But it definitely happening. Uh, we're looking like in um, somewhere in May. Okay. Uh, of it happening and location would be in the United States, either going to be the Barclays Center. They're pushing very hard for the Barclays Center, where the Barclays Center is pushing hard to have it to host the fight, or it's going to be in Vegas. Uh, one of the two. But it's going to be an amazing fight. It was an amazing fight the was, first time, yeah. man. You know, I'm optimistic about anything that I'm involved in. You know, I understand that we live in a world where. You know, it's so many different opinions and you can't please everybody. You can't. Yeah. It's too many people. You know, so with that being said, I, I, I take I take upon all opinions of wherever they feel about the fight, you know, and um and controversy sells. Absolutely, you know man. People <laughs> love it. There you go. So going back from that last fight,
2: what was the biggest thing that you took away from the last spirit fight? And do you think you kinda of have the mental advantage? Because like I said, you you end up knocking him down twice. How right. he got up the second time I have no idea. That's gotta
3: be in the back of his mind a little bit. Uh, most definitely. What I what I what I took away from the fight is basically what I already known, but I, I just I I, I man I, I was just you know I don't know what the term I use for man I was just being. Basically, I had I had the world, I had I had I had, you know, L. A. hasn't had a big fight in years there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying and this country boy coming along making it happen bringing the excitement back to to, to, uh, to uh, American boxing you know I had the whole I had I had all the attention right there you know it already was hard you know building you know in America because boxing is not the number one sport I'm yeah. always competing against other people I' never I never had a dancing partner that really can promote it I'm always promoting by myself so I got the promotion I got the Dancing partner it was great. So it captivated so many people. So many people was drawn into, it and I'm like, finally, finally getting the American attention that I deserve. Yeah. And it was overwhelming. And uh, but you know, I started, I, 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 went away with the game plan totally. Yeah. Okay. I, like, I started doing what I know what I could do. Yep. Just knock out when I, when I, when I press pressure myself to knock people out, it never happens in the times. But yep. when I slow down and take my time, that's when the magic happens. So that's the biggest thing I've learned. Just Take your time. Just slow around. I know you. You know. I know it was a big moment for you. You know, bringing the people, getting, bringing the attention back to America. But just take my time, and uh, I'm gonna be victorious. I I don't see this fight going past seven.
2: Listen, we have to have a few more questions for you, Anthony Joshua. Obviously, he he has the belt as well. Like I said, I think you're the real heavyweight champion. What are your thoughts of Joshua? Is he kind of scared? Is it more of a management problem where they're just kind of trying to protect him? Because let's be honest, man, you're you're a fighting champion, and you're fighting the real deals here. He's just kind of—I don't want to say he's fighting
3: lower-level competition, but he, he's not fighting the talent that you are. He's—he—he he, he his his name have definitely have sucking down in the conversation mm-hmm. as far as boxing is concerned because people have caught on that he don't want the hard fights. He's trying to make money. They say it's a business. That's what his people say. We're we're dealing with a business, you yeah. know, you know. Um, so when you are dealing with that, it's going to be hard for them to really just pay the top elite athletes or competition. To get in there and fight, they said that they wouldn't want to fight me unless it was 2020 or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, so they weren't in no rush. You know, he if they w- if they really wanted to fight me, they would have they would have allowed me to accept it. Well, I accepted 15 million dollars, and, and and they moved the goalposts. They they lied. <laughs> they come to dig. He out of his own mouth said he would take 50 million dollars and come to America. Yeah. Happen and. We gave him, we offered him fifty million dollars, and he was like, "Nah, psych, you know, my my fans deserve it to be over here and stuff like that." The dude don't want to fight. Yeah. I don't know what's going. He definitely is not in, in control of his career. He got other people's in control of his career, and, and that's it. So we we may see that fight. You know, we may not. We'll see.
2: One more question for you. We're at the Super Bowl. Right. I know you're a fan of football. Mm. Is there any doubt in your mind that if you played football, you'd be in the NFL right now? And and would you be playing tight end or defensive end? Because I mean you're you know, you're obviously kinda lean, but I feel like you have a defensive end mentality.
3: Right, right, most definitely. Uh you know, I don't I don't you know I don't you the first question was like, would I be playing? Yeah, yeah, would you be yeah, in the NFL? You know, I look man back in I don't know, man. It's it's I use I always ask myself, like I tell my daughter That was born in Spartan Bills. So the reason I got into boxing, I said, babe, if it wasn't for you, I don't know what daddy would be doing. Yeah. I want to say yeah, but I'm not sure. You know what I mean? Uh, And what was the second?
2: So uh, second question, would you be like a wide receiver slash tight Uh, end? Or or, or are you playing defense? Because I feel like you kind of have the mentality as a, you know, yeah, I'd definitely outside. be
3: like wide receiver. Okay. Uh, defensive end. I had to put more weight on me, but yeah, they, I'm yeah. sure they won't have no problem with the program. <laughs> no, yeah, for him. sure, for sure. You know what I'm saying? I, I, you know, I used to be a quarterback as well, too. Okay. I'd be so tall can, can scan the field and see. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's been an, either
1: be the wide receiver, or, or a trial for quarterback. Yeah, he Fair can enough, do it all, man. and he's the world champ. I, I got, we got to let you go. But I, we are on TV, we're on all this other stuff. I mean, how much money do you have on right now? What's that watch? Uh, I, I mean, your sunglasses are like they got diamonds on your sunglasses. I got like 100, He's 100, counting it up.
3: 77,
1: 14. <laughs> hey, there's a lot of money in boxing, yes, especially yes. when you're
3: the champ. $100,100 100 and $40,000. 40.
2: That's why you're
1: 000. champion, man. Yeah. That's why you're the champion. <laughs> Wilder. Thanks for joining us, man. Champ, appreciate appreciate it. it, man. Good luck. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate we'll be back on ESPN 690. Thanks for the champ for stopping by. Action Sports Chats on Radio Road. Super Bowl 53 rolls on right after this.
5: Such a long game. You're going to have to play great, you know, great, basically four hours of football. You'd love to start fast, provide some margin of error, but we were down a bunch a couple years ago to the Falcons, and it worked out pretty good. Whatever it takes, man, you got to have mental toughness to just fight
1: That's Tom Brady talking about being a Super Bowl champ and what it takes to win the game on Sunday. 6.30 kickoff on CBS 47, of course. We're going to talk a little bit later about these 30-for-30s and Deion Sanders' double play that's uh, debuting tonight. And also to the director of the, the, the man that put together the two Bills, if you haven't seen that, Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick. And part of our conversation is about the mental toughness of guys like Belichick, but also Tom Brady. And uh, you'll hear that conversation later. And, And Brady is on a different level. It's kind of become like a little punchline laughing thing. What do you mean he's never had coffee? What do you mean he doesn't put sugar in his body? All those things. But it's amazing the lengths you have to go to to be great. Very few people have the amount of talent to just let it ride like that. And uh, Deion Sanders, by the way, might be one of them. (laughs) And I'm not saying he didn't work hard. I'm just saying you have to go to, if you are not a supremely talented and gifted individual, and there are very few of those in that sense from an athletic standpoint, that you better do something that is so different than everybody else. And Tom Brady, who is not a freaky athlete, of course, he does whatever he needs to do from a mental edge standpoint. Maybe better than anybody else, and I don't know how you grade that and how you like. I've always thought Tiger Woods in that category was unbelievable. The mental toughness mm. of Tiger Woods on a golf course was unbelievable. So I think uh, I think Brady is in that company and maybe even beyond that kind of company.
2: And we're talking Brady and you know prime time. Um, they fall in the same category of their work ethic as well. You know, especially Brady. I mean, it's it's been documented. It's in books of just how much he takes care of his body, how much he studies the game. And it's almost like he he's never satisfied with his craft. He's always trying to get better. And sometimes the problem with primetime is the fact, like we talked about, you know, he, he has that he has that aura about him where there was Dion Sanders and there was prime time. and and the fact that sometimes when, um, you know, so, the, the fact that sometimes when you you have that aura about you and you know you're kind of cocky and, and you're very brash. Sometimes people forget about that work ethic, but make no mistake about it. Deion Sanders also had that work ethic, had that mindset. Um, You have to have that or else you're not
1: going to be able to play at two sports. Yeah, and I think a lot of people say they work hard. (laughs) They don't understand what that kind of work ethic is. There's a difference. You know, there's a different kind of discipline to it. Uh, all right, we're going to go back to the studios in Jacksonville because Coos is about to lose it about the latest news coming out of the NBA. Just happened moments ago. Give us some breaking news, Coos.
6: Dude, I'm losing my mind in here. I you
1: mean, You are? I mean, you know, we're having a great conversation about Brady, and you can't <laughs> wait to get this news here. I'm in. like, guys, stop.
6: Hold on. Yeah, uh, apparently, according to Woj, um, Dallas is finalizing a deal to land Kristaps Przingis from the Knicks right now. How about that? Wow. Yeah. Why? I mean, this morning, Przingis, <laughs> it came out that Porzingis was asking, you know, what the future of the Knicks had in mind for him, and if they were going to get him another star and all that stuff. And man, it just I guess they, I guess it didn't work, and now he wants out or something. But uh, you know, Woj is pretty reliable when it comes to talking about this stuff. So apparently, uh, you know, he might be on his way to Dallas. Coos,
2: I saw an interview with Enos Cantor, you know, the center from the New York Knicks, yeah. and he, he came out and said this is probably a few days ago interview I think with Sports Illustrated. How he was saying that the Knicks are going to bring somebody huge in that no one's going to expect. Is this another step towards that, like his interview? And are you kind of buying that hype now, all of a sudden?
6: There's a lot of talk that you know, like KD might be interested, maybe Irving's interested, maybe they can get Kawhi Leonard, maybe even Anthony Davis, who has talked about how he's interested. So maybe this is a move to just reset everything and go all in on some stars. But man, it's it's risky. If you don't land these guys now, you look not smart, you know.
1: Yeah, so big news out of the NBA. Porzingis, so it looks like he's on his way to uh, Dallas, and, you know, Woj, he knows everything, right? I mean, that he's, does. Probably, <laughs> he's ahead of that. He's the Schefter of the NBA. So um, uh, it looks like some big news in the NBA and for the New York Knicks, who uh, I think currently, what, have the, the worst record in the NBA, right, Coos?
6: It might be the Cavs, uh, or the Suns actually have oh, the worst. Oh, they slipped Sorry. down? Okay. Yeah, the Suns definitely have the but worst. But
1: they're, they're in that conversation.
6: Yeah, they're down there.
1: Yeah, uh, okay, so uh, news out of the NBA. By the way, we just had the tease of all teases. Herschel Walker, on his way by, actually like started to sit down in his seat right next to us, mm-hmm. and then he got, he got pulled away because he was in the wrong spot. So they have an interview set up uh, right next to us. We're hoping to get Herschel Walker on uh, here on ESPN six ninety. We'll see what happens. I know he's got a tight schedule, but uh, we're talking to his folks about trying to land him. And again. Uh, Austin Lane will have fun with that one. Uh, an NFL guy and an MMA guy, uh, the path that uh, Austin is on right now. We're going to take a timeout right now here on ESPN 690. When we come back, more interviews from Radio Row. I know we have some already. In fact, you'll hear from Kyle Rudolph about John Filippo, the new Jags offensive coordinator. And also you'll hear from Nate Burleson about everything going on in the NFL when Marcel Robinson joins us. That's coming up. A lot to get to. Here on a Thursday from Radio Row, Super Bowl 53. Action Sports jacks on ESPN 690.
4: Yeah, I mean, they,
7: they got great receivers, great tight ends. Um, they got a great running game. So, you know, you really can't key on one guy. You got to kind of play all of them at the, the same way. Um, obviously, different guys got different speeds. So you got to kind of adjust that way. It's different than, different than two weeks ago. And you just got to play them the best you can.
1: All right, Stephon Gilmore, New England Patriots corner, and he's really played well in big games. I mean, this playoffs, obviously, uh, you know, he gave up the one big play, uh, what was that, a couple of weeks back to Keenan Allen, and he had the huge play against the Jags in the AFC Championship game last year. This guy's got paid a lot of money. Uh, you weren't sure about where his career was heading, and all of a sudden uh, his career is headed in a good way because – uh, he is delivered in the big time for the New England Patriots and uh, trying to get a Super Bowl ring with the Patriots this year against the Rams. Welcome back to Radio Row, Brent Martino, along with Austin Lane. Did you just break a chair?
2: No, dude, I'm cramping. I was, oh, you're
1: cramping. I'm up? Cramp, I got a cramp. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. I uh, think that was
2: the effect of running sprints this morning and then getting uh,
1: getting my fuel kicking on. Uh, yeah, you you uh, you did some work. You work out at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of us do, but it's hard to drink enough uh, water. It is, yeah. And your the schedule's so off.
2: Well, it's hard to get really anything, even like food. You know, obviously we're we're working some pretty long hours and whatnot. And as far as like the the hospitality, it's been pretty well here. But yeah, uh, I guess I need some kind of like IV or something because I'm cramping like like a mother right now.
1: <laughs> well, take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, just make sure the vocal cords don't cramp up. Deal. And, uh, we'll see, uh, what happens there. Rams Patriots coming up Sunday night. Uh, if you're watching this on, uh, social media, which we have the stream going on Twitter and Twitch and Facebook and YouTube, uh, you can see the great Herschel Walker right behind us. Uh, you know, hopefully through we'll the get camera. him on. <laughs> We're trying to get him. Everybody's stopping him, as you can see. Uh, looks like he's talking to some folks, um, I don't want to say they're from the Blue Angels, but, uh, who are doing flyover maybe. Now, uh, is, is Herschel Walker like 30 years old or how old is he again? 40s? No, he's up. No, I'm uh, kidding. I'm just up, saying, yeah, like, dude, he
2: looks ridiculous. How old
1: is he, though, now? Uh, he would be 20, 40. He's got to be close to 60, right? I would I think. I would well, say right so. about yeah. 60 years old. So uh, hopefully we'll get some Herschel Walker on. Uh, he's got uh, some other things to do at the moment uh, from here in Radio Row Super Bowl 53. Hey, all right, I'm going to put this out there right now, and I want to talk a little Jags for a moment. I said we were going to do this earlier in the week, and, and I want to make sure we do. What do you think about the Jags if they go all in on Haskins? Say they don't like Foles or Flacco, and they go all in on Dwayne Haskins. He's the best quarterback in the draft. Everybody thinks he's the best one of, of the rest. Uh, say that's the unanimous decision. Uh, they jump up to the fourth pick to grab him, whatever. They may trade something away, whoever. However, they get it. They want all in on him. If they are all in on him, and unfortunately the way this works, it's probably going to be hard to make these decisions because of the ordering of everything. The NFL league starts in uh, league year starts in March, and then you have the draft in April. If it was flip-flopped, you could maybe do this and see how the draft works out, mm-hmm. but you don't have that luxury. What I'm getting at here is from a fiscal responsibility standpoint. If the fan base knew that Dwayne Haskins was the future of this franchise, would you be willing to... Or would the Jags be willing to keep Blake Bortles here in Jacksonville as the backup, as the bridge, because it's a the fiscally correct thing to do instead of paying all this money to, uh, say, a Flacco and the money you're paying to Bortles and now the money you're paying to a first-round pick in the top ten. That's not the ideal way to do this. And it so you not. hang on to Bortles, you bridge a couple of games, maybe not even. You bridge training camp, and you give it to Haskins. I'm completely disagreeing with you here.
2: So you're saying that if you bring in Haskins, obviously Haskins is going to be the starter and Blake Bortles is going to be the backup, correct?
1: That's what we're getting at? Well, in, in the the vision is that, because you're going to hand the reins to Haskins, well, but if he struggles at first, you're going to have to go with Bortles the first couple of games until that How do you happens. go with
7: Bortles?
2: Because it's not like Bortles really showed anything this past season. So if, if you bring in a first-round guy, you'd, you would think that he's going to overtake Bortles right away. I mean, being a first-round guy like Haskins is, you would think. I'm not saying that's for sure, but... From what we've gathered so far and what we know about Bortles,
1: we would assume that, correct? Well, that's what would be your assumption. And that's what I'm saying. Would the fans ride with that because now you've got Blake as a backup? Blake as a backup? Is that a bad option?
2: It's a horrible option, and and here's why. Uh, Let's let's look at history here for a second. Uh, Two quarterbacks last year were first-round draft picks and started their first NFL game. Sam Darnold and Josh Allen. Now... Don't get me wrong. Darnold came out on fire, played the Detroit Lions. I think he threw three touchdowns. Looked really promising. Uh, Josh Allen kind of started up, lo- you know, a, 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 a little slower, obviously. Um, kind of re- rebounded towards the middle of the season. Got hurt a little bit, and then finished strong. Here's my issue with with that. With Josh Allen, he did it with his legs more than he did it with his arm. You know, and the same thing is true for Jackson on, on the Ravens. Sometimes when, when you're a rookie, you know, and Obviously, you want to be this ideal pocket passer, but you're going to rely on what you feel comfortable with. And for those two guys, it was their legs. So now here's my point. You look at Patrick Mahomes, you look at Tom Brady, you you look at Aaron Rodgers, those guys all sat a little bit and they had someone to learn from. My issue with Haskins is the fact that if you bring him in right away and you don't bring like a free agent and you have Blake Bortles, he's got no one to learn from. And even if he does beat up Blake Bortles, I still don't think you're going to learn a lot from Blake Bortles. You know, so ideally, what I want is, I want that free agent, a seasoned vet, who Haskins or whoever, maybe Murray, we don't know yet, that you can bring in, and that that young quarterback can learn from, because history has shown
1: that's the way that you do it. I, I get it, I get it. I think it's a fair take. But my only, what I would say, if I'm John Idzik, and you just said that as Dave Caldwell or Tom Coughlin or Doug Marone, and I'm the cap guy. And I'm walking at the dollars. I'm saying, guys, okay, but what you're telling me is Flacco and Foles. Let's just name it at $20 million. It might be more than that. It could be $22, $24 million for one of those guys, although I don't think it's going to be that much because I don't think this will be a bidding war for those guys. But let's just put it at $20 million. So you have $20 million there. You've got $6 million. And this is just for 2019. You have $20 million there. You have $6 million. I think it would be around 5 or $6 million for your top five pick. Uh, which would be Haskins. So now you're up to $25 million for the quarterback position. That's fine. But on top of that, you owe Blake Bortles to walk away $6.5 million, and you could be on the hook from a dead cap money standpoint of $16 million. So you are actual cash invested in the quarterback position in 2019 for some $31, 32000000 You are actually some $41 million potentially in cap money invested. That is a big investment at the quarterback position.
2: No, it absolutely is. But let's look at the investments overall on this team right now. We are in a win-now kind of atmosphere. Uh, we have a lot of contracts coming up. Jalen Ramsey, uh, we still have to pay Yannick. we got to pay a lot of guys. So we have to win now, and especially in Dave Caldwell's position where he can't afford to have another bad year. This whole coaching staff can't afford to have another bad year. So the fact that you're t- talking about bringing a first-year quarterback, a rookie, Throw them in the fire right away and hoping that it works out—that's a pretty big gamble, especially with contracts that we got to sign in the next couple of years or so. We have to win now, and I think the best way to win now is bringing in that
1: free agent quarterback and then having Haskins or whoever we draft to learn from him. Well, then that doubles back on the other one. I'm going to be Idzik again, or now I might be Marone and, and everybody else. Okay, guys, we're comfortable. We want to win now, so we're going with Foles or Flacco. We're comfortable with that. Let's not worry about 2020. Let's not worry about 2021-22. Who cares about Haskins then? Let's go get Flacco or Foles a playmaker because we could use a playmaker at tight end wide receiver. You're not going to pick a tight end there, but you could for a wide receiver. So I just don't think if they go that route – Flacco's interesting. It is more interesting. If they go that route, I just don't see him invested in a quarterback in this class because it looks like the class is more bunched together than separated at this point. I mean – and here's the problem
2: with that, Brent. So, eventually we agree, but we need a quarterback eventually. And you need a the, young quarterback eventually in the draft. Yes. yes. So say you know, say we get Bowls or we get Flacco, and they actually do well. You know that they're winning games. Well, you know that that draft class with Trevor Lawrence coming out in a couple of years. If we're doing well, we're not going to be able to get one of those guys.
6: It's true.
1: Y- you know, so it's. That's why you can't predict it.
2: Yeah, you, you cannot predict it at all. The way I'm seeing it, if, if I'm the front office, if, if I'm the coaching staff, I have to win now. But there's no shame in also prepping for the future. And the best way to do that, like I've been saying, is bring in the free agent quarterback and then
1: bring a high draft pick quarterback in. Check out Twitter. Check out Facebook and Twitch and YouTube as well. Uh, you can check us out on the ESPN690.com stream and, of course, ESPN690AM. Want to get your thoughts on it, though. Would you be willing, from a financial perspective, does it make sense to keep mortals around? Financially, I'm talking about. If you went all in on a guy you like, like Haskins, that's what we're up to debate about right now. Got to spend it. money to make money, Brent. Absolutely. Gotta spend money to make money. ESPN 690 from the Super Bowl. Welcome back to Super Bowl 53. Atlanta, Georgia Rams, Patriots coming up on Sunday, of course. Brent Morton, Austin Lane, Stuart Weber, Marcel Robinson here in the ATL. Justin Kuzar, Kuz, back in the studio and breaking down the big trade that just went down in the last half hour, as you can hear. Wow, What is going that's on there? The, that's Deontay Wilder. That's Deontay Wilder. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, we had uh, you know we had Deontay Wilder earlier do what we call on TV an ID, yeah, right, um, and we'll have it for radio as well. And we say uh, it's like Deontay, I'm Deontay Wilder, and this is one action take. Too by the Jax. way. It only one take for him. It was impressive. But see these guys, like Diamond Dallas Page, was like this yesterday. Yeah. So good. Yeah, I mean, so good. It it was. It's a talent. To do what they do. I mean, listen, a lot of people have trouble saying, "I'm Brett Martineau, and this is Action Sports Jacks. Yeah, like it's nope. not easy. And these guys, it, and so it, when they do one of those, that's what he just did. And at yeah. the end, he yells at the end yeah. of it, and it's classic. You'll hear it like on the show in future days and weeks and months ahead. But it, the whole room just stops, and everybody watches. <laughs> Take it
2: from me as, as a guy who just needed five takes at the NFL experience to try to close out the segment he, because <laughs> I kept saying live from that, you know, and it's actually not going to be a live shot when we, when we turn it in. So I said for four times like live from the NFL experience and then, you know, obviously Marcel had to coach me up a little bit. So it is not an easy thing whatsoever. Uh, props to, props to, you know, the, the champ for doing it in one take. Uh, DDP had a good one, too. It took him two takes. It did. And, and it outtake, was also comical. And the outtake yeah. was
1: amazing. Very comical. And I can't put it on TV or radio, yeah. but it was absolutely amazing. <laughs> Take a outtake. word for it. It was really good. In fact, I'll share the one that went good for Diamond Dallas Page on uh, Twitter, because I kind of recorded it from the side. Yeah. And uh, you can just see everybody watching them, too. It's it's fun stuff. All right, Kuz, uh, jump in on this. Uh, who won the trade?
6: All right, well, and so that's the thing. I mean, uh, the the Knicks are sending in Chris Absperzingis, Courtney Lee, Tim Hardway Jr., and they're getting back Wesley Matthews, Dennis Smith Jr., and DeAndre Jordan. Uh, so, you know, I don't necessarily like it for the Knicks right off the bat because they have Frank Nealichina. Like, they've got young point guards already that kind of conflicts with uh, Dennis Smith Jr. So... I don't necessarily know how I feel about it for the Knicks, but I feel like this is a move because they're trying to do another move.
1: Ah, so it's a setup. Well, what you, which is, they're revamping the whole thing, so that makes sense, I guess. It has to be.
6: What
2: do you see that next move being? Because, obviously, Enos Cantor has kind of teased that the Knicks are going to do something monumental, bring some star player in, uh, and that you know we should all stay tuned. And At the time, everyone thought that he was kind of joking around and just you know being silly. Yeah. But now it's obvious that... Something big is about to happen,
6: possibly. Well, and I, I wouldn't rule out, you know, Anthony Davis. Yo, Yeah, Anthony Davis wants to go to the Lakers, but it's not his choice right now. It's whatever the Pelicans can get that will make them uh, better off for the future and get back the assets that they need when Anthony Davis leaves. So uh, I know he's mentioned Anthony Davis said he wouldn't mind being in New York, and in theory, if AD goes to New York, maybe in the offseason they can convince Kawhi to come over or maybe a KD to come over to, you know, have his own little, uh, you know, prove-it-year himself. All right. Uh, interesting talk uh, out of the NBA. We'll talk more about
1: it and uh, keep you updated on any other happenings, but a uh, big trade uh, with the Knicks and the Mavs in just the last uh, half hour or so. Back to football we go. A couple responses about what uh, Austin and I were talking about before the break and keeping Blake Bortles. Uh, Jason Brown says, yeah, why not? Eric Harris says, not my first option, but really what else could they afford to do if they don't? And that's the whole point of this. It isn't like, hey, do you think, do you want? It's from a fiscal standpoint, it, it's really the smarter move to make, and would you be willing to make it? Because it might allow you to get another player or two on either side of the ball in free agency. Uh, metaworld World Crazy says, no. Uh, and well, Paul, says, on my side. <laughs> Paul Prisco says, no, best for all that he leaves. There and we see, go. And Paul. And Paul right there says best for all that he leaves, and that's probably right. Change of scenery probably even for Blake might not be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Change of scenery for the fan base and everybody else, and even the locker room potentially might not be a better thing. Yeah. But at the cost of potentially anywhere from seven to $16 million, whether it's pure cash or dead cap money, I think you have to ask yourself the question, is it worth hanging around uh, for a little bit more? Again, and my point in this, if you missed it, and you're just jumping in, is if they go all in on Haskins. It's like, that's the guy. If they go Greer, if they go Locke, if they go Daniel Jones, it doesn't feel like, okay, we're all in. We're hopeful, but we're not sure we're all in. Haskins, that means they would probably jump to the fourth or fifth pick, trade stuff, and say, we are all in for this guy, our future of the franchise.
2: Let me ask you this. Uh, You know, obviously there's kind of, rumblings with the coaching staff being intrigued by Daniel Jones from Duke and everything, and, I, and I'm not saying from from your
1: standpoint, from your opinion, but from the Jags brass's opinion, would they go all in on Murray? Yeah, and uh, we're going to have a conversation about that again because of the Dion's double play with Ken Rogers who directed that 30 for 30 that's debuting debut tonight, and we talk about Kyler Murray in that mm-hmm. because here you go, right? Uh, what Dion did, play in two different sports, same day, uh, same year for a Kyler Murray. Are you all in on that? And uh, listen, I'm going to be the guy right now that will say it. And I'll say it in April. And I'll be like, yeah, that's awesome. We just got Kyler Murray to Jacksonville. This is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. I would say that, but I would probably also predict this isn't going to work out very well. I think it would be fun as heck, but if you're trying to win Super Bowls, and if you're trying to win for a long time, and you're trying to get a guy that's going to be around for 8, 10, 12 years at that position, I'm just not sure. You're going to do a lot to convince me Kylo Murray's that guy.
2: And are you coming from the school of thought where you think it's the fact that he wants to play maybe baseball and football, or is it from the theory that
1: he's too small? I mean, both. we're, we're both. both. okay Because both are risky. There's Agreed. too much risk. Agreed. There's risk already in the – Prototypical quarterback. No, I'd so I there's more agree. risk with the guy that's not the prototypical guy, and might have a love for going to hit batting practice <laughs> at uh, right before the Jacksville Jumbo Shrimp game. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, so you got to be a little careful with that, I believe. Hey, we uh, caught up with Kyle Rudolph about the new offensive coordinator. Whatever they do at quarterback, there's a new offensive coordinator. In Jacksonville, and his name is John D. Filippo. Well, Kyle Rudolph, fantastic tight end for the Minnesota Vikings, had a chance to catch up with him this morning and ask him a little bit about Coach Flip. We got John D. Filippo now down in
5: Jacksonville. Uh, you talked highly of him. Why so? What do you like about him? Uh, you know, Flip is a guy. He's a young coach. Uh, brings a lot of energy, uh, and I think he'll be he'll do well for your guys' offense. What does he bring to an offense in terms of what these guys can expect? Oh, I think the biggest thing is uh, he's going to bring a ton of energy, a ton of enthusiasm, and a lot of swagger. Uh, That was the biggest thing that he tried to bring to our offense this year. Um, And, you know, he was energetic in each and every meeting. you see that he could adapt pretty quick? I mean, I know it didn't work out. There was obviously...
1: Uh, disconnect there but adapting to Kirk Cousins and you guys as, as an offense
5: yeah no absolutely and that's what all great coaches do so uh, you know I, I'm excited for Flip to have another opportunity you know obviously it didn't end well with us in Minnesota and we had high expectations that weren't met um, but that's just the nature of this business we saw you guys in uh, Minnesota Jags
1: and uh, and Vikings practicing together how surprised were you that you guys didn't
5: make the postseason and also the Jags didn't looking at those two teams at the time no absolutely I, you know when jacksonville came up and we practiced against each other in training camp you know we felt like those were you know obviously the year before you have an afc championship game participant and an nfc championship game participant and we i think we both expected to be back this year uh so unfortunately disappointing seasons for both of us but uh you know i think it'll motivate both teams to to get back at that point next year how vital is tight end in in an offense um obviously it's good for you, but for every team. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm always an advocate for the tight end, um, but I think you look across the NFL and look at all of the best offenses in football, um, they use their tight end. Uh, they create mismatches with them, um, and it's just such an advantage for an offense to be able to use him.
1: I'll give us your prediction, man. Give us some analysis of this one. How do you see it playing on Sunday?
5: It's going to be a great game. You know, obviously, historically, um, when New England has had struggles in the Super Bowl, it's come from an interior rush, and the Rams got a pretty good interior rush. Um, they seem to always take away what you do best, and the Rams have an unbelievable run game, and we're number one in the NFL in play-action pass this year. So I'm looking forward to see Coach Belichick's plan to take away that vaunted Rams run game and their play-action pass, and have, look forward to a good match. Up. Tough to uh, pick against Brady, huh? Always. That's kind of been my answer to, to every one of my prediction questions is, you know, you've learned over the last 17-plus years it's it's hard to bet against Tom Brady. All
1: right, that was Kyle Rudolph this morning, catching up with him about John DiFilippo, the new Jags offensive coordinator. We'll talk more about that in a moment, but we'll stop everything right now because – We've got one of the greatest of all time with us. Herschel Walker making time for us to stop by here on ESPN 690 in Jacksonville. First of all, Herschel, we appreciate you coming back because I know you had a lot of rounds to make. Thanks for uh, taking some time with us. How you doing anyway, man? I'm doing
7: man. well. I tell you what, I've been blessed. I tell everyone I've been totally blessed. and I tell you, you guys bring me back on. That's
1: that's great. Thanks. What Good are fun. you what are you up to now? We know you so much as a, as a legend. We know you're from the MMA that you transferred into. I know you're for the 1,000 push-ups a day because because I'm trying to get my son to do the same thing. And uh, well, what is happening in Herschel Walker's life? It fe- feels like it's always so eventful. Well, you know, uh,
7: everything that you were just talking about, I'm still doing it. All the push-ups and sit-ups, uh, 1,500 push-ups, 3,500 sit-ups. I can tell. Still working <laughs> with the MMA, with Bellator, with Scott Coker. we got a fight coming up February the 15th and 16th in uh, Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. Working with the military every three weeks. I'm at a base all over the world. Just left Germany. Uh, about two weeks ago, and then I also own my own two companies, two of the largest minority companies in the United States, So, uh, and trying to be a dad. I uh, have a son that's at SMU. He's a junior, and he's supposed to be a, supposed to be a freshman, but he's a junior. Speaks four different languages. I tell you, incredible, incredible kids. So uh, I, that's what I tell people. I've been totally blessed. So you mentioned you work with or
2: Obviously, Scott Coker, you have that connection from Strike Force what was that? You know, me be personally being you know playing in the NFL for five years and going to MMA as well. What was that transition like from you going from NFL and then going in that cage?
7: You know, it, it was very interesting because when I was at Georgia, I used to fight in martial arts tournament. Uh, I went, to, I played college football on Saturdays. I went to church Sunday morning. I fought in taekwondo tournament Sunday afternoon. So I always thought, you know, I, I'm a fighter. I can fight. And I remember when the MMA put the rules and regulation and the weight class in. I said, you know, I love to do that. It like an exciting sport. And I remember Scott coming to watch me do a matchmaker bout out in L.A. And Scott said, uh, Hersha, if you uh, go to a good camp, I'll get you a fight. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, dude, I know how to fight. I don't mm. need to go to a camp, but. Because he made me go out to A.K.A. I was out there for 10 months. I trained almost six days a week. Best almost nine too. hours a, One of the top a, camps. A day, yeah. One of the top camp with Kane and Daniel and Luke. <laughs> I trained with those guys, and I can tell you what, Scott Coker saved my life. Yeah. That's the reason I'm with him now at Bellator. And I say because Scott's just not a fight promoter or running Bellator. Scott cares about the athlete. He know how to matchmaker about. He know how to put guys together, and that's the reason I'm with him now, and that's the reason I'm helping him to promote different things. Colonel
1: Walker with us on uh, ESPN 690. Uh, the Georgia fans in Jacksonville, listen. I got to ask him a Georgia, but we'll bounce back and forth here. We only have you for a few minutes. It's been since 1980. How shocked are you since they that Georgia has not been able to win the whole thing? since well, then because it's an unbelievable yeah, program. It we it love is. that. Athens is amazing, and obviously Kirby Smart's doing a fantastic job. But doesn't is, that stun you? It's been almost 40 years. Oh,
7: it, it, it is stunned. You know, but they made it to the dance before, and, and I said, guys, they're going to get there. Right now, I think they're knocking on the door. And one thing I think they're doing is building confidence. I think Coach Smart is doing one heck of a job, and they're building confidence, and I think they're going to get over the hill. I think this is going to be their year coming up. I think those guys have been down the dance floor too many times not to overcome that hill, and I think they're going to do it this year.
2: I have to ask one more thing. So, you know, going from a team sport like, you know, playing in the NFL, obviously, and playing football, going to MMA where, don't get it twisted, it's still a team sport. You still have your training partners, you have your coaches, but when you go to that cage, it's just you. What did you perform more? Perform more? Did you did you prefer the, the team sport dynamic or more like the individual?
7: Well, dynamic? you know, I, I like the individual thing. Yeah. And the reason why is, you know, when I fumble, I, you know, I let the whole team down. Yeah, yeah. I, I did, and, I, and it, that was hard to take. But if I step in that cage and I drop my hands, and get knocked out, that's on me. Absolutely. If I get choked out, that's on me. So I, And I said, this is like a human chess match, and that's the reason I like this MMA is when I step in that cage, it, everything is on me, man. And I have to ask, Trent, a.k.a., you want to get some of the best heavyweights of all time, really. I mean, you know, D.C., obviously. DC. Kane now, Cardio can as they call him. Yes.
2: What was that, what was that like in that
7: training I, you, I absolutely loved it. I tell people this here. You know, my cardio is incredible, but Kane's cardio was better than mine. Yeah. Kane I weighed me about 25 pounds. His cardio was better than mine. And i tell you what, I told people that he's the best heavyweight I've ever seen. Yeah. There's no doubt. DC is an incredible, incredible heavyweight. Mm-hmm. And DC is a great 205. And DC is a great athlete. Yep. But Kane is one of the best heavyweights I've ever been around. Well, and... Th- like, that's in the UFC, but we're talking Bellator, man, coming up. Yes, yeah, Bellator absolutely. coming up in 2000 uh, in February 15th to 16th. And the Mohegan Sun, where like I said, the 50 cent is putting up that million dollars. I don't <laughs> think anyone is putting up a million, million dollars for a fight. So yeah. I think people, if they're in New York or in the Connecticut area, come out to the Mohegan Sun to see this fight or catch it on uh, Paramount uh, Channel or either on The Zone, I think they'll really, really enjoy
1: it. That's a great yeah. venue. I think great athletes. I think Herschel Walker. I think Bo Jackson. I don't think Tom Brady. No, how, how wild, of, how wild are you is, of what, you what he's done? It.
7: Tom Brady is absolutely incredible. You know what's so funny? I tell the people this all the time. The guy is always, always making it to the top of the pedestal. And not only is he making it, he's bringing a young team with him. That that tells that he's a leader. Because uh, being a leader is more than just being a great athlete.
1: You got to be a leader, and that shows that he's a great leader as well. Awesome to catch up with you. Hey, Thanks, thank Herschel you Walker, man. for thank stopping y'all. by. God bless you. Unbelievable. Thank you guys. Good luck with those fifteen hundred push-ups hey, today, thank by the way. God. <laughs> Still getting it done. You hear that, Ty? Go do some more push-ups, little buddy. Uh, we'll be back on ESPN 690 from Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta, Georgia, Radio Row. Give it to me, Coos.
6: I'm trying, man. It's not playing. Oh, it's not working. I was waiting for it. Hold on, give me a you're gonna get it. Yay, there it is. is. Gonna push that
1: button. The happy hour horn. A little late on happy hour. We really? got a lot happening here. Yeah, we do on ESPN six ninety. It's live radio, people. Uh, and thanks to Herschel Walker for stopping by. I didn't think there was a chance Herschel Walker was coming back. Yeah, man. And by the way, you you're getting into this now, man. You're I'm a radio fun, guy man. now. Well, yeah, I mean, you yeah. Deontay Wilder. I didn't think. I I thought you guys were gonna have to fight for us to go to break (laughs) yeah yeah and and you didn't want them to usher away a herschel walker either no not at all i mean
2: you know it's you can kind of see it from the smile on my face i mean yesterday we had ddp you know who's a big hero of mine then today i mean having the champ of the world and then herschel walker a guy who's really the first guy to go from you know the 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 field to play uh, fighting in the cage uh... It's been kind of overwhelming, man, meeting all these people. And, and guess
1: what? They're all cool, too, which is really awesome. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Herschel Walker, by the way, 56 Class, years old. 56. 56 years old. How about that? that dude dude said about so he said about his son. He he speaks four different languages. Yeah. He's already, like, spe- uh, he said he should be a freshman. He's a junior, which he meant by that is academically yeah. Yeah, I know, uh, how bright he is. And, you know, Herschel Walker to me is Bo Jackson. I said it Bo Jackson, Herschel Walker. To me, are, yeah. from an athlete standpoint, you know, Deion Sanders, people talk about him as an athlete, and I get I, there's, there's so many fantastic athletes. But those guys were just specimens mm-hmm. that, like, you don't get put on earth and you're built that way, it doesn't seem like.
2: Without you know? a doubt. And, and he was being generous, too. Like, he said he was trying to, AKA, I mean, against Daniel Cormay, who was, you know, he's been to the Olympics and whatnot. Um, and I know personally, because I've seen interviews with Daniel, Daniel said Herschel held his own, and that's a, that's a guy that didn't really wrestle that much growing up, but he held his own against an Olympic-caliber wrestler. You know, I mean, that's just, uh, you don't see that. As someone who's, you know, wrestled myself with Olympic-caliber wrestlers, it's a different animal.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, you know what I go back to is New Jersey General days, right? He played from 83 to 85 for the New Jersey Generals. So I was six, seven, eight years older in that time. And I always tell people, I got into sports, I remember sports, when I was seven. Mm-hmm. Seven was the year. So that would have been 1984. I can remember everything that happened in 84. I can Doug Flutie, by the way, started it because he had the Hail Mary against Miami. I remember the Detroit Tigers won the World Series that year. Mm-hmm. It was the year that Dan Marino and the Dolphins, at least it was really 83 season, uh, went to the Super Bowl, played the San Francisco 49ers. And that's where I fell in love with Marino and the Dolphins because of Marino um, at the time as a kid. And... That New Jersey Generals team was something that I watched a lot of in the USFL because of Flutie. I was a huge Flutie fan. He's from the New England area. He's from Massachusetts. And so to have Flutie and Herschel Walker, it was such a big deal. Before, you know, the whole Cowboys, Vikings, and and everything else throughout his career. And what's so amazing, you know, you kind of compared Herschel Walker to Bo with Bo Jackson. And
2: rightfully so, you know, just two freak athletes. I mean, is there anybody you can really compare him to... Like, nowadays, and you got to take into account, too, this is, you know, 20, 30 years ago when the technology and just, like, you know, the way people worked out wasn't like it is now. Yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, they, they didn't have all those things at their benefit. So, is there really anybody these days that you can, you can compare
1: any of those guys to? I, that's a really good question. I mean, we have some unbelievable, you know, I think uh, amazing athletes, even Shaquille O'Neal should be put in. The, like, mm-hmm. there's a, it's a giant of a man who can move, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know from a specimen standpoint. I, nobody's coming to mind like those two guys. Uh, but there are. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just not coming to the top of my mind right now. And I don't know if it's a football player or a basketball player. But these guys are so big and just bigger than a life figures, it seemed like. Yeah. Because, again, you just don't see people made that way that could do the things they did. And it, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, I think I had the numbers right. 1,500 push-ups a day, yep. 3,500 sit-ups a day. He's some That takes time. Yeah. How does he find time to do that with all the other stuff he said he had going
2: on? Well, and you talk about their star power. And this is back when social media wasn't even a thing. Like, imagine if those guys were around today just how worship they would be and whatnot. Yeah. It,
1: it's insane. Yeah, and I, I think for a younger audience, uh, you know, I don't know. You just saw Vito Stolino. I saw Vito, man. <laughs> I, I had
2: to point him out.
1: By the way, Vito might join us tomorrow. Oh, cool. Uh, I'm going to be gone, unfortunately, but tell him I say what's uh, up. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Austin's uh, taking off tonight. Uh, won't be with us tomorrow, but we've got a lot of stuff interview-wise that uh, we did with Austin uh, earlier in the week that we'll have tomorrow. But, but yeah, so I just think from a younger person standpoint, um, I think they know guys like ja- Bo Jackson and Herschel Walker, and still re- it's, there's this reverence to those kind of uh, names and, and athlete and uh you know, not the most successful from a championship. Oh, no, but they're uh, polarizing but, figures. But but just unbelievable athletes. When we talk about sports, those are just pure athletes, uh, which is really cool. And, by the way, I just want to tell Jacksonville and the MMA fan base in Jacksonville. Yeah, they have to be pretty excited. They they should be because there's never been this much MMA coverage in the history of sports radio <laughs> in yeah. Jacksonville, Florida. And,
2: and, uh, and I kind of forget that, too. Like, obviously, we're in Jacksonville, so it's, it's about football and whatnot, but... You know, at the same time, I'm a, I'm a fan of these guys, man, so I kind of just get in cruise control and just go by myself. Well, and, n- you know?
1: I, and I don't say that knocking it. Uh, yeah. Listen, I'm not this huge uh, uh, fanatic for MMA, but it's a segment of sports. And, it is. And people are into it, and I think people can hear your passion for it. And these guys are involved in it, and they're big-name guys. Absolutely. right. So um, it, it continues to grow. And, hey, we're just trying to reach every little bit of the audience, folks. That's it. Uh, a lot of football talk more, but um, – a little MMA and wrestling doesn't do anybody any harm either. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> hey, more to come. Marcel Robinson scheduled to join us, and Nate Perlson. He catches up with him. Coming up next on ESPN six nine. Oh, we're just running into everybody we here at Radio Row. ESPN six ninety Action Sports Jacks on the radio at Super Bowl fifty three in Atlanta. We got our interview with Ken Rogers, who directed thirty for thirty Dion's double play, coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, but let's welcome back Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, and Lijay Dusaball, the former Jacksonville Jaguar, kind of like found a, this dude. Where with, are they now?
2: Found this dude <laughs> on the street, as Joe Collins used to say. Found this dude <laughs> on the street.
4: Okay, <laughs> He piled in the back. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He piled in the back.
2: No, <laughs> no, nah, nah. he's, he, he's rocking this three-piece suit now. Yeah. We, we wasn't in the street, man. We found him out here.
1: <laughs> definitely. Uh, Lijay one of the uh, fun guys in that Jags locker room. Always good to us, at least in the media. We always appreciate that. Um, gone on to have a, a nice career in the NFL. Uh, just got out of it last year, you told me. Yep. And now you're with CBS Sports.
4: That's right. I've been uh, working with uh, CBS Sports this year in SNY in New York. Um, you know, I've played a lot of my career in New York also with – With playing in Jacksonville, playing with the Jets up there. So it's just been a blessing. It's just like football, it's a grind, you know, being in the media. It's a grind, so uh, I'm just trying to trying to figure out not figure out what what's next because I know what's what's next, but uh, as far as going forward, like which media outlet I'll be working with full time.
1: Well, that's and that's what Austin Lane's doing now. We just started this radio show three, three weeks, weeks ago, job, man. Okay. So wow, uh, here we are, oh, yeah. here we
4: are. Okay, I yep. love it. I love, it. I love it. I love it. I'm so trying to get my reps in. Right that's now. right. So it.
1: hey, anytime <laughs> you want to do some radio in Jacksonville, you give us a buzz. All right. Oh, definitely, um, definitely. Anytime uh, I'm in Jacksonville, I will
4: call you guys up.
1: Well, let's put you in yeah. analysis mode then. Rams, Patriots. What is the difference in this football game, in your opinion?
4: Honestly, to me, I think it's the run game from New England. Sonny Michelle has played a heck of a postseason. He's averaging 4.6 yards of carry. But uh, transversely, the Rams have played dominant on the run game. They've only given up 2.3 yards of carry. And Dominican Sue is. Playing like the 23-year-old in Dallas right now, he's found the fountain of youth. And paired with Aaron Donald, it's very scary. You got Dante Fowler coming off the edge, as you saw in the NFC Championship game, that big play that Johnson had the interception on. Fowler applied the pressure, so. I can't believe Jacksonville traded him. That, uh, to me, makes no sense. But, hey, he was going to probably leave him for agency, so you got to do what you got to do.
1: Wow, there you go. You've done your homework, by the way. If you're throwing up some numbers on the run game, I really like that. Definitely. Why is it, and Austin has said it all week, we kind of know it because we've seen people be able to do it against Tom Brady and the yeah. Patriots. But why is it the interior pressure yeah. against Brady that's so effective? It's so effective because Brady likes to step up into the pocket, and that's
4: where he finds guys. He finds Edelman. He finds Gronk guys like Hogan in the past, guys like Amendola across the middle. When a quarterback steps up into the middle of the pocket, they can find guys in the middle of the field, and that's where Tom feels his most, most comfortable at. So when you get that pressure up the middle and it's in Tom Brady's face, he's not comfortable. As you can tell, he's always worried about guys being around his knees. He had that ACL earlier in his career, so I think that really goes through his head when he gets that pressure up the middle. And when you have two horses up the middle, like Sue and Donald coming up the middle at you, it's, it's easy for guys like Fowler to come off the edge and make plays. So I think that's going to be a major factor in this game too. Can they get that pressure up the middle consistently?
2: And obviously playing against Tom Brady, as you know and I know, he gets the ball out quick. Quick. So it can be really frustrating as a defensive lineman where you have a good pass rush move yeah. and you know balls out in two seconds. So yeah, getting that into your push is definitely important against Tom Brady. Yeah,
4: definitely. I mean, playing with the Jets for uh, and then playing in the Buffalo, playing against Brady for five years of my career in the AFC East, that was probably one of the most frustrating things to me is <laughs> you make a great move, like you said, yeah. Austin, and the ball's out. It's like, damn, but you can't get frustrated because that's what New England wants you to do. New England's never going to beat themselves. They're like – uh, like a robotic system, like they they do everything right. So you have to force them to drive the length of the field, and you just got to keep rushing and not get frustrated.
1: It's unbelievable and sickening at the same time, oh, isn't it? Question, uh, especially question. for you guys as players. I'm sure that had to go up against it. All right, we got to go in a minute. Lige Dusable with us, uh, obviously former Jags player. Did you were you at the Colts for a while too? No, no, I never it was just the Jets. 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 So it was yeah, just Jags right. and Jets. Jets, and then I went. Same I
4: finished friend. finished with Buffalo and San Fran. Okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, but but I need some dirt on Lane, man.
1: I mean, <laughs> so, oh easy. We you easy. got a locker room store? This could be a long relationship. I need, to, I, I I need to go back and throw stories? something back at him. Nah, I was pretty I was, clean, I was, man. I was pretty clean. He used, you guys to,
6: to, get, to,
4: used you know. to get upset at weird <laughs> stuff, though, man. Oh, here he we go. To, he used to get like upset at weird stuff on the field. But, now nah, he, he was pretty clean, was, man. Yeah,
2: well, me me, and Evan Britton always kind of went yeah, at it a couple yeah, times, that, you know. Those used
4: to be some great battles, Yeah, and Evan Britton. They used to get at both had a little crazy. Yeah, just a little bit. All right,
2: dude, so I have to ask you before we go, man. Uh I saw you at college game day. You did. UCF. You did. Obviously, you're a big UCF kind of guy. Oh no question. The past two years, how fun has it been? Where are they right now? The state of you know the state of the program, yeah. and what do you see from in the future?
4: I mean, it's been amazing the last two years to have a win streak of, of 25 games. You know, something that few teams in history have ever done. And you know, we you know we like all the hate from everybody from Bama and other schools. You guys don't play nobody. Da, 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 da. But we've competed. I mean, even the game we lost to versus LSU, we didn't have an All-American quarterback playing, and we still only lost about one score. And there were so many opportunities for us to actually bust that game open. If you saw in the beginning, we had the pick six. We, uh, You know, we go up big, and then we stop them twice on third downs, but then we have young guys that have penalties, you know, celebration penalties, and you can't give a team in the SEC that many chances because they're going to beat you. And uh, I, I like where the program's headed. I think... You can see by our recruiting class alone this year, we're getting a lot of four-star, three-star guys. So I think that we're turning up. And now if we could move conferences, this debate could be over with. We're (laughs) tired of hearing everybody talk. I mean, the ACC, if you hear this, you know, We're ready to join. We know, you know, Florida State and Miami don't want that. (laughs) But if you want another team that has a a passionate fan base, you know, it's even looking good in basketball this year. We're we're getting votes in in, uh, the top 25. And and Great facilities. Yeah, great facilities looking to go to the tournament in basketball. So we're not just a one-trick pony. Our baseball team is really good. Our, Our track and field girls team is really good. I mean, we've been dominant in our conference for, I would say, going on the last five or six years and not just in football.
1: Lige Dusable, great to see you, man. And by the way, I think UCF's a sleeping giant if they can get Deusable. into a Power Five. I really oh, no do. Questions. Right there in Central Florida, great to catch up with you, man. It's Thanks great to see you, man. Hey,
2: hey, I wish you the best of luck in your next endeavor, but stay away from this radio show in Jacksonville. right? my <laughs> thing. You know what I I I'm saying? saying. Ah, call stay in, call you, in. Dion, you're going to be good
1: at this. You're going to be really good at this. Good luck with CBS. Hey, we'll be back right after this. We talk Dion's double play with the director of the latest Thirty for Thirty next on ESPN 690. This is going to be fun. I love the 30 for 30s that ESPN does, and they've got a new one coming out tonight, Dion's Double Play. Dion Sanders, of course, the day where he played a little football and a baseball, and the man that directed that latest film is Ken Rogers. He joins us right now, and uh, you're like Christmas morning probably today, right? This thing gets unveiled.
0: Yeah, you know, it's weird. You live with a film for so long, and no one else has seen it, and... You know, I hope I, we had a premiere here yesterday, uh, at, here at the Super Bowl, and people responded positive And that was really the first hint I had of, wow, people really do enjoy Deion Sanders and this story. Uh, and I hope everyone does
1: that watches tonight. All right, you've got the character, right? I oh, mean, yeah. Deion Sanders, I mean, you, that, you can start with that, and then you can go from there, and you've got an event uh, yeah. because of that event that happened and his double play. Uh, what was it like, Kevin? Dion as as your main focus? What's crazy is that there are two main focuses,
0: because Dion Sanders is not primetime. They're two different people, and that's what really is the most interesting part of the film for me. Is that Dion admits that in college he created the primetime persona in order to raise his value as a cornerback in football. So he created this character that was bigger than life and would garner a lot of attention. But primetime couldn't play baseball because the culture of baseball is one of no individuality, teamwork first, uh, you play a lot of games, it's all about your uh, overall team, and individual expression. I mean, you're not even allowed to look at your home run as it goes off. Well, primetime, you know, danced into the end zone every time (laughs) he got a chance. So that guy couldn't show up for baseball. So this film's actually about two people. It's about Deion Sanders and primetime and the battle he had between wanting to be both. He wanted to play both sports.
2: You know, looking back at primetime, I mean, he was, a, he was a star player, obviously, and, and he, he commanded attention and everything like that. If you fast forward to nowadays and social media and just how, how big everything is, do you think not only he'd probably be the biggest sports entertainer, obviously, but... Maybe just like the biggest ce- celebrity in in the whole world.
0: He he certainly would take advantage of of social media today. And this event by itself, I believe, would be the biggest sports story of the year. There's no doubt. I mean, you look at what Tim Tebow does. You know, he he hits a home run and it's all <laughs> over. And you're like, yeah, that's okay. It's in Double A. Dion Sanders in 1992. We're talking about the Hall of Fame cornerback in the NFL maybe the best player in his position ever, when he played baseball, he didn't just play baseball, he played 97 games, only 97 games, and led the entire major leagues in triples with 14. He, he was great with steals, he was incredible on the baseball field, and it was his second sport. Yeah. And so you imagine someone doing that today, and being that good, I mean, he changed games with his speed, with his steals, with his triples. I can't imagine what it would be like. Would he be the most famous person in the world? I don't know, but certainly he'd be the most
1: famous person in sports. There's so many ways I want to take this, but because you just brought up Tim Tebow, and I also want to bring up Kyler Murray, yeah. because obviously, listen, the Jags are looking at a quarterback, and, and I think it's a scary thing for an organization to say, okay, I mean, that's a quarterback position. You've got to be all in yes. at the QB spot. You can't be taking batting practice on Tuesday afternoon instead of watching film. At least I don't think you can. So, But it feels like more prevalent than ever, even in baseball now, you've got two-way players, whether it's Otani or something. Maybe we get to this where you, you can do both a little bit. I don't know. What are your feelings after living this film for so long of what Tim Tebow was trying to do after not playing baseball for a decade? And also a Kyler Murray, who who was a risky pick in the NFL draft.
0: I, I think it's to the point where it has to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't think there will be another Deion Sanders. Uh, certainly not performing at that level of both. Um, Bo Jackson did it before, um, and, and I think you can argue forever about who was better there between the two. But when you talk about Kyler Murray, these days the finances require... An all-time, an all-in commitment. I don't think anyone would draft or, or get him uh, on their team, baseball or football, and be okay with the split time anymore. Um, and he's a rarity, really, because kids now grow up specializing in one sport, mm-hmm. and the athletes are getting so much better at particular sports because it's all they concentrate on. That a kid like Dion, who grew up in Fort Myers, just playing in the playground three sports, actually. He played basketball and was pretty pretty darn good. In college, he was pretty darn good in track. It was just his natural ability. He just played. But that wouldn't be enough today. Today, it takes the, the hours upon hours. So, I think Kyler's going to have to decide, um, and I, I think it's going to be a tough decision. Dion has said uh, publicly that he would advise maybe baseball mm-hmm. because of the finances. Uh the health. The health. You get paid a lot more, and it beats up your body less. But, when he makes that decision, if he's going to excel, I don't think he can try to do anything else.
2: Dion, you know, playing baseball and going to football and back again, um, what was the perception like from his coaches and, and, you know, obviously like his manager? I
0: mean, were they encouraging or did, did they kind of dislike that? Yeah. Well, you once again, you talk about the difference between football and baseball. So his football coach was Jerry Glanville. You know, the man in black who encouraged M C Hammer to hang out on the <laughs> sideline
6: of Falcon James.
0: <laughs> I mean he wore big belt buckles and, you know, was he was a big character himself. He was great with it. And he actually says in the film that, you know, on this weekend when Dion tried to play both sports in the same day, Dion wasn't there all week, so he decided he was not gonna start Dion. So he benched him for one play and then put him in because he knew, hey, I need Deion. You know, no matter if he's not, if he's here or not here, he's a great player. I'm going to use him. Now, baseball, Bobby Cox, and especially John Sherholtz, the GM of the Braves, they didn't see it that way at all. They were very, very adamant that if you decide you're going to play for us in the postseason, in the NLCS, then we don't want you leaving. And Dion saw it as well. I won't miss a game, but in between games, I'm gonna jet down and play for for the Falcons. The Braves did not like that, uh, and it really colored the relationship from then on. I mean, he he signed a long-term contract, but then was traded to the to the Reds, and it was because of this. The fallout of this event, of this weekend, that if it happened today, would be the biggest news story, uh, you know, of the
1: year. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody in, has always made the play in NASCAR with the Indy Five Hundred, the double there, right? I mean, right. we get, we we think that's cool. We think it's different. But what I wonder about, especially because of the perception of Dion sometimes, and you've now lived this film and you lived that day, is that day looked upon as a selfish play by Dion Sanders, or was this a guy trying to? be loyal to both of his locker rooms and his teammates and help them out in big situations.
0: I'd like you to tell me, because everyone who watches the film feels differently. I think if you're uh, a baseball-type person who, who thinks that one thing at a time, um, if you're old school, like a lot of baseball fans are, because that's why they love the sport, the tradition, then you're going to look at this film and, and really feel like Dion was being selfish. I mean, you, you can make an argument. Okay, you didn't miss the game, Dion. You make it, made it back, but you missed warm-ups. You know, you, they didn't know if your plane was going to arrive in time. They have to set their lineups. Yeah, okay, you were there, but come on. You know it's you're kind of, you know, messing with them. Um, if you're Dion's side... I know what Dion would say. He'd say, hey, a cheetah doesn't need to stretch. <laughs> you know? And so if, you, if you're if you predisposed to like Dion, you're going to love Dion in this film. If you're predisposed to think that this was an, an act of marketing and, and trying to become bigger than uh, the game, you'll think that. Because the truth is, I think both are true. Yeah. I think Dion was a really loyal teammate and wanted to be there, but he he was well aware of his marketing image and what this was going to do. Um, and I think it blew up a little bit for him. I think he thought it was going to be a lot more positive than
1: than it turned out to be. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, you did the two Bills as well, uh, Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells. and. In- People love that one, right? I mean, because we got to see a side of Bill Belichick. I mean, people still. Just last week, I think we were talking about Bill Belichick, and you talk about personality, and you talk about all these things, and they said, "Yeah, but in the two Bills, I kind of it changed my perspective yeah. on it." Did it change yours? And just how well received was that thirty for thirty uh, that you did?
0: That's the response I get is, "Wow, you, you, you." Sob, you made me like Belichick a little <laughs> bit. Uh, what am I, what am I supposed to do now? I kind I, I, I thought he was the dark Sith, and now I think I realize he's just a regular guy. Um, I, I wasn't really surprised because I've seen it, but I think it's a lot like Dion. He, he doesn't care to let everyone know who he is. He's comfortable enough, and to be honest, in a, in a, a self-confidence way that not many people have that. He's okay if people dislike him. It doesn't really bother him. He mm-hmm. doesn't mind that people think he's grumpy and all, and he puts on that face. I would care. Yeah, that's I, not a natural you know, thing, I'm right? I'm sitting here right no, now sure. trying to sound professional and look the part, and that's what we do as people. Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick is so secure with who he is that he doesn't feel the need to do that. And once in a while, he lets that wall down, as he did in the two Bills, and you say, oh, that." He's a real guy and, yeah. and he's nice and here he is apologizing to somebody that he was in this heated war for and you know, talking about how they love each other and it's it was an amazing thing to see that wall break down for everyone to view because I think long term people are gonna forget about those grumpy press conferences and remember him as just this master of not just football but of himself. The most self disciplined man I've ever I've ever been around. You know, he's always on to the next game, always on to the next play. If you watch him on the sidelines, he doesn't celebrate touchdowns. He's just, he's already on to the next thing. That takes such uh, strength of character that uh, I'm not sure we'll ever see someone that as
1: strong-willed again. Ken Rogers with us, directed uh, the two Bills, directing Dion's double play that will uh, debut tonight, of course, on ESPN. And as we let you go, and I know you've got a lot to do, I'm a uh, TV guy by nature. Uh, TV geek, if you will. I love the behind the scenes of the industry. These thirty for thirties have have changed the landscape of television in a lot of ways, in my opinion. Uh, first of all, tell me if I'm wrong about that and I missed something, and and just the whole birth of this thing. It's had to have taken off. I mean, to the nth degree more than yeah. than than anybody would have predicted. Uh, do you see it? That same way, or what am I missing? there's
0: very often one show that can change everything. You know, a lot of people point back to The Sopranos as starting off this, like, golden age of TV hours uh, on cable television. Um, I've been working on Hard Knocks for a decade plus, and I think that show, when it came on HBO redefine the the sports reality realm. Sure did. When it comes to historical docs, Thirty for Thirty is it's like Kleenex. You know, it's the brand that defines the genre. Uh, when you talk to anyone about sports documentaries, they'll say Thirty for Thirty. Uh, so the platform is a great one to tell stories because you know that non sports fans are aware of it, and that's really the the golden egg for all of us in working in sports is okay, we know sports fans are interested in this story, but are there uh, significant others or are there parents or kids who aren't really into the story, are they going to watch and be enthralled by the story enough that they start to become sports fans? Yeah, And that's really the, the genius of the 30 for 30 model is uh, creating this genre that is so hooked to that name. I mean, it was 30 films for thirty by 30 filmmakers to celebrate 30 years. Well, I mean, we're, I think this is film 100. I was going to say, what right? is it? I think this yeah, is 100. <laughs> so it's like, come, I mean, it's not 30 for 30 anymore. The title doesn't even make sense. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't tell ESPN that. <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't work anymore. Yet it still defines sports documentaries today. So it's a. It's really a, a study in branding. I would guess that anywhere in in sports um, studies in college, they're studying. How do you create something like thirty for thirty?
1: Yeah, it's really helped change the landscape. By the way, you might—I mean, we're talking Dion's double play. Austin Lane played football in the NFL for five years. Now he's an MMA fighter. Yeah. See, we got our own little double play oh, here yeah. on ESPN Six hey, Start filming. There we go. That was <laughs> good idea, <laughs> man. <laughs> Brett, get on it. Let's go. Right, we're getting on it. We always record the shows. We we'll do that. All right. One last one before you go. Uh, what do you want to do that you haven't done yet? Can you tell us, or are those secrets that you bet uh, you, you don't want anybody to? Um,
0: you know, I think we're in the middle of it right now. Uh, the Tom Brady experience I don't even know I, I don't think it's a film I think it's a oh it's a it's a 30-part series you know yeah. I think you could do so much and we've captured so much uh, through the Patriots and the Patriots have captured so much um, I think he will go down as the most disciplined player and, and strong um, um in mind player just like belichick will go down as the strongest coach ever maybe not certainly not the most athletic yeah yeah yeah. true right no way but what he has inside of him is something that i don't think you could just you have to study it if you want to be a quarterback i think if you want to be a ceo or you want to be an mma fighter or you want to be a lawyer you'd be good Good off studying Tom Brady, uh, figuring out what he has in his head that allows him to do what he has done, uh, and trying to replicate it, because he, he's not like the rest of us.
1: No, and much like you did with Parcells and Belichick, he's got a curtain that's still up, and there's so much Correct. unknown mm-hmm. about Brady. I mean, we know he doesn't drink coffee, we know his diet, and we know all that, yeah. but we really don't know all those other things, and i got a feeling maybe Ken Rogers down the road will tell us about it. That'll be a good one. <laughs> i <I'd> like that. <laughs> hey, right. good luck tonight. Thank you Looking forward to it. Uh, tremendous work. I know you. I don't have to tell you that, uh, you hear it all the time, but nice job, pleasure to meet Thank you. Thank you very much. Can't wait to watch it, man, looking forward to all it. Right, thanks.
2: Be-
6: don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket?